This audio presentation was pre-recorded and edited for brevity and clarity. Hello, and welcome to this month's Bright Focus chat about macular degeneration. My name is Diana Campbell, and I'm pleased to be here today with the community of people that are impacted by macular degeneration. The topic of today's chat is adult stem cells as a treatment target for AMD, or for macular degeneration. We are proud to host our first ever chat about this topic with two phenomenal guests. We're going to spend about a half hour learning the ways that stem cell therapies can provide hope for treatments on the in the future. For those of you who are new to our chat series, this chat is brought to you today by Bright Focus Foundation. We fund some of the top scientists in the world, including our guests today, who are working to find better treatments and ultimately cures for macular degeneration, glaucoma, and Alzheimer's disease. And we do events like today's chat to get the new, latest news from science as quickly as possible to families that are impacted by these diseases. You can find much more information on our website, www.brightfocus.org. We are delighted to host today's guests, Dr. Sally Temple and Dr. Jeffrey Stern, who co-discovered stem cells in the human retinal pigment epithelium, or the RPE, as founders of and through their research programs at the Neural Stem Cell Institute, they seek to understand the role of stem cells in the central nervous system, development, maintenance, and repair. Working together, they are helping to develop a stem cell-based therapy for age-related macular degeneration, or AMD, that is currently in a clinical trial. Sally and Jeff, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Yeah, I was delighted to be here. We're delighted to have you. Uh, and since you're speaking, Sally, uh, I'd love to start with you with a somewhat basic question. What is a stem cell? Uh, well, that is a great starting question. And uh, stem cells are pretty amazing cells. You can think of them as a renewable resource in the body. Um, what a stem cell can do from a, from a biological point of view is they can make more copies of themselves so they can sustain themselves. And at the same time, they can make stem, the, the types of cells that we need in the body. Um, so a good example for is a skin cell. Uh, you know, when you cut your skin, um, that, that, damage can be repaired, and it's repaired in part because of stem cells that exist in the skin, and they are there to do that job. So they're really remarkable cells and very important for health. Absolutely. It sounds like it. Um, and with what you just said in mind, what is an adult stem cell? Yeah, so stem cells are actually present throughout life, and they're important for making the tissues in the body. Um, but some of the tissues in our body actually suffer wear and tear, um, like the skin example that I just said, or blood itself. And so those tissues are replenished throughout life by stem cells. So we actually have stem cells in our body now, uh, in the skin, in the bone marrow, making new blood cells, in the cornea also, making and refreshing the corneal cells. 
and uh, you know we we discovered that there was a stem cell in the retina in the retina pigment epithelium and it's present in in adults throughout life we've even found them in 99 year old donors so they fortunately they're there you know throughout life into adulthood so we can easily work with them Wow, that's 99-year-old donors. That's really, mm-hmm. really interesting and encouraging. Um, can we talk a little bit more about that RPE cell, um, more specifically, um, you know, the retinal pigment epithelium cell, um, just to give a little more context for our listeners? Yes, uh, the retinal pigment epithelium is is the pigmented part of the retina. You know, if you look in the center of someone's eye, you can see black right in the middle in the pupil. What you're seeing is really the pigmented tissues at the back of the eye in the retina, and uh, that's the cell that degenerates in macular degeneration. It's a cell that's critically important to maintain the health of the retina to enable us to respond to light and see things. Uh, And so when that cell becomes dysfunctional and damaged, as it does in age-related macular degeneration, for example, AMD, um, we begin to lose vision and lose central vision. So it's, it's really an essential cell for vision function. Yes, it definitely sounds like it. Um, so how do these RPE cells become other cells or other cell types? So um, within the RPE layer, we found that there is a stem cell existing there, and it's really poised to make new RPE cells. So it's a stem cell that once we plate it in, in tissue culture and we grow it in the, in the laboratory, when the cell is placed in tissue culture, we can give it factors that make it divide, and then it naturally differentiates into retinal pigment epithelial cells. So we can get many, many uh, millions of cells from the, the starting stem cells. Wow. Um, With that answer, Jeff, let's bring you in. Um, What is the advantage of stem cell therapy for AMD treatment? Well, building on on the context that Sally established, our vision is mediated by photoreceptor cells in the retina. And the RPE is adjacent to the photoreceptor cells and supports them. So that as RPE cells are lost in AMD, vision is lost. Atrophy or loss of cells is a hallmark of macular degeneration. And so drugs or vitamins that maybe can slow down the loss of those cells are a wonderful thing. But once the cells are lost, there's really very little we can do to reanimate them. And so AMD, due to the atrophy of the RP layer, is an ideal target for cell replacement therapy, which is a type of stem cell therapy where we create the cells that are lost and then replace them. Wow. Um, At what stage of AMD do stem cells have to be administered to work like this? And is it a one-time treatment? Well, we're, we're still in clinical trials. And so 
I have no definitive answer to the, both questions, but sure. I, I can say right away that once RP cells are lost, um, this type of treatment should be effective. Um, there's no need to undergo the treatment unless vision is lost. And that tends to be a later stage of macular degeneration. Um, as far as how many, how many treatments would be required, um, the answer is also still uncertain. But we, some, some recent data from a related trial, clinical trial out of California, showed that the cells transplanted to replace the lost RPE um, are still present after two years with really very little loss, remarkably good duration of treatment. We consider the uh, RPE replacement to be a one-time treatment, but we're still uncertain if that's the case. How amazing would a one-time treatment be? That's really, the prospect of that is just so exciting. Are there any risks associated with stem cell therapy? Yes, the, the, the major risk is for the implantation procedure itself. That carries the usual surgical risks of infection or bleeding or retinal detachment. Um, those risks are expected to be uncommon, but still important to consider, um, particularly if we are transplanting into patients who still can see relatively well. Um, the other major risk for stem cell treatment in general is that the cells can become other types of cells. Sally made it clear that the adult RP stem cell is committed to making RP progeny, but the risk that other cell types can arise needs to be considered. And careful studies have shown that risk to be vanishingly small. Gotcha. Um, can you tell us more about the ongoing clinical trial you mentioned for dry AMD? Sure. We're still in the early phases. The trial is occurring at the University of Michigan Kellogg Eye Center. Um, it's a phase one, 2A trial, which means that we're, we're trying to determine that the treatment is safe or not and to get a signal about how effective the, the, uh, the treatment will be rather than a definitive answer. Um, the best place to learn about the criteria for joining this trial, should any of the listeners be interested, is at clinicaltrials.gov. Um, all of the, the criteria for entry and the, the, the tests that are run during the trial are listed there. Oh, that's great to know. Um, we can actually um, we can provide a link to that uh, at the you know on the transcript as it goes out. Just to clarify, you mentioned in the question before um, about surgical procedure. Is, is this a surgical procedure, or how does it? What's the delivery method? So, in the laboratory, we grow the cells. We grow the RPE cells, the ones that are missing in the patients, and then we have to inject them underneath the macula to replace the cells that are lost. And so that is an operating room procedure. It's a short procedure. Um, it's a procedure that uh, does not have as long a history as, as others because cell and gene therapies are new over the past decade or so. And um, many centers are now 
carrying forth uh, gene therapy that was recently approved. And so the, the experience and the history with this procedure has been increasing um, over the past several years. Sure thing. Yeah, we've spoken to a few people doing um, the gene therapy, and it's certainly another interesting um, concept and angle. Um, so we know that this trial is for dry AMD, uh, but aside from that, are there any other people who might be eligible for this trial? No, the, the, the rules for um, the FDA approval of the trial are quite uh, set at this early stage. We believe the treatment would be applicable to any disorder where RPE cells were lost, and there are many of those. But our focus right now is on macular degeneration, dry macular degeneration, I should add. Sure, of course, that makes complete sense. Um, so you mentioned you're in phase um, one and two A. What is the projected timeline for this treatment? So how long does it take to get from the phase you're currently in, um, you know, to phase uh, phase three approval, and then of course the doctor's office? We we expect to complete the current phase over the next one to two years, at which time we'll have a relatively strong uh, concept of of the safety of the trial and a sense of its efficacy. The next stage, 2B, will require another two years of work to uh, strengthen our assessment of how effective this treatment is. And then stage three would require two or three more years. So the total is about five years of clinical trial prior to introducing the treatment into a doctor's office. Sure thing. And I think it's always good to remind people just how long this process takes. Uh, it's not unique to your trial whatsoever, obviously. Um, so this is something we'll continue to watch. And, you know, as you have, um, you know, the close of different trials and outcomes to report, we'd be happy to share that with, um, you know, on a chat or with our audience in other ways. Thank you. So for both of you, um, are there other cell-based therapies out there? And Will this trial help pave the way for the field? Yes and yes. The you know, background that RPE cells are lost and need to be replaced for treatment of macular degeneration makes macular degeneration an ideal target for replacement therapy. And there are groups in Japan and throughout the U.S. and in the U.K. that are transplanting um, various kinds of stem cells. So Sally mentioned that there are stem cells that make many different kinds of tissues, um, and some of those can be coaxed into making RPE-like cells. Um, that's a pluripotent stem cell approach. We use a suspension of cells to inject, simply inject under the macular, and a few of the pluripotent stem cell trials are also using a suspension approach. The other major effort for other kinds of stem cells for macular degeneration is to grow the RPE on a scaffold, on a platform, and then that, that scaffold is slipped under the macular um, with the hope that there'll be more immediate and stable um, resolution of, of the RPE functions. We believe that the adult stem cell that we use um, because it has an improved safety profile, it's already committed to making RP cells rather than needing to be coaxed to do so. 
um, can be transplanted at an earlier stage of uh, development. So we are transplanting younger RPE cells, even though they're from adult, they're younger sure. forms. And, and those younger cells, we all know in the skin or, or elsewhere, tend to be more reparative. And in our preclinical trials, we found that there's an ideal stage of development, an ideal age, if you will, of the RPE that's more effective than older or less mature RPE cells at rescuing vision. The cells are more uh, active and they engraft more. Um, and, and that's the angle, if you will, that, that we're uh, evaluating to, to learn if that benefit of the younger cells can be um, given to patients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, this is really an exciting time in the field. As Jeff just mentioned, there are several of the clinical trials going on for RPE replacement for macular degeneration. Um, and I just wanted to mention that you know, all of the studies that, that he's referring to, they're done under FDA allowance. Um, you know, they're carefully reviewed. They have a lot of data supporting the trial before you can even commence. And that way, you know, the patient safety is is at the top. It's the most important thing. Um, and this is the case in the U.S. and, of course, in other countries, there are also regulatory authorities that, that will make sure that the trials are done to a high standard and that the data is shared so that we really know what is going on. Um, but I just wanted to give a warning because there have been a proliferation of these so-called stem cell clinics. Uh, and this is, you know, in the U.S. and around the world. And unfortunately, um, the people who are running these clinics, they say things like, oh, we don't need the FDA to watch over what we're doing. We have a, a cure and a treatment for macular degeneration. Um, they charge people thousands of dollars, which should be a red flag. You're not charged you know, thousands of dollars if this is a proper clinical trial. And, um, and then what they do is unconscionable. They, they do things like liposuction on individuals and then inject those uh, gamish into the eye claiming that they're stem cells. Unfortunately, several people have been blinded through this, uh, you know, through this so-called treatment. And so we really, really have to be cautious. Um, and I just wanted to mention that the International Society for Stem Cell Research that really follows the guidelines very, very carefully, they have put out a website called A Closer Look at Stem Cells so that if anyone is contemplating some type of stem cell trial, they can go there and they can read about you know, the questions to ask, um, what might be red flags um, that would say, hey, this isn't a legitimate place. And um, of course, you should be talking to your doctor, talking to your retina specialist to make sure that what you're going to embark on if you decide to do it 
that it really is, you know, an authorized and regulated and proper trial. Yeah, it's just a, a terrifying and heartbreaking thought mm-hmm. that um, there are, you know, these, I don't know if it's a scam or what to call it, but um, groups that are claiming to have treatments or cures and and really just end up harming you. I'm really glad you shared that resource with us. Um, we do have time to do a little Q&A as we discussed. Uh, Sally, the first question I'll give to you, it's kind of related to what you just shared. We have a listener in Florida who is aware of adult stem cell drops from body redesigning. Um, I'm wondering and kind of guessing that these might be um, sort of the not FDA-approved approach that you described. Well, yes. I I mean, I have not looked into that specifically, but it does sound like it is. And, in fact, it is Florida where some of these egregious um, efforts, I can't can't call them clinics because that implies that they're actually delivering treatments, Um, but they claim to be clinics. And uh, there have been news reports um, coming from clinics in, in Florida that have actually blinded people, people that could see and, you know, afterwards their, their eyesight was destroyed. So this is something, again, uh, talk to your doctor, read about it learn about the red flags. The red flags are things like, well, they'll say they don't need FDA oversight. Of course they do, if if this is a real treatment. They will say that, oh, they'll charge you maybe $5,000 for an injection that reflects that it's not a real clinical trial. Um, and if they're really doing the hard work, uh, as, as we and others have done, there would be publications in you know, high-quality journals that the physicians can refer to, your physicians can refer to, uh, to make sure that what you might be doing is, is really protected. So absolutely um, be very, very careful of these scammers. You, you use the right word. Well, I, yeah. you know... To build on, on Sally's excellent points, um, you know, the eye drops that are being sold in, in California raise another red flag, which I believe he's uh, treating baldness and, and arthritis and, and so forth with his stem cell uh, activating um, concoction. Um, I think that, you know, these, these unsavory clinics are are building on the great hope that the genuine work holds for stem cells. You know, we don't want to be negative. And, and it's sort of obvious that this is, a, this is the way to treat macular degeneration or arthritis, certain arthritis and other disorders. And I think the, you know, we call them unsavory, you know, it's snake oil. And this has happened for hundreds of years uh, throughout history where there is a genuine treatment. Uh, under development or, or, or in practice, and then uh, you know the medicine man comes in and starts selling it for for profit. And it just shows how how desperate people are, and also how hopeful they are. You know that something like your legitimate 
trial, you know, turns out positively and provides a treatment that is actually approved and effective for them. I just want to say, um, I think I mentioned to you when we spoke previously, we typically have about 350 people on the call. I just looked, and we have 468 people today. That is a record for our Bright Focus <laughs> chat. I think it just highlights how many people really want to know about this topic and have questions and really will benefit from hearing, you know, the cautionary tales that you've told as well. And just um, to underscore, there are uh, several uh, legitimate trials going on now. Jeff referred, and I know you'll put up the clinicaltrials.gov uh, site, and um, you can use that to find the uh, the the other trials ongoing and make sure that the sponsor of the trial is is known as known to your physician your specialist um, just to make sure that you have all the checks needed before you you embark on something like this I think that's outstanding. If you don't remember anything else specifically, um, please know that you can find any legitimate trial on clinicaltrials.gov, and that's great guidance. Um, so I'm going to kind of ping-pong to other questions related to what we've talked about today, but they're not in any particular order. Um, these are all coming in either from questions people submitted before the chat, um, and we've received many, many questions during the chat as well. Um, so the first is, is there an age limit for receiving the treatment? Um, and maybe you don't know that yet, but that's a popular question. For our, for our trial, the age limit is 85 years of age. Okay. Wow, that's great. And the reason for that is because we follow the, the results of the trial for a few years. And, and so, you know, life expectancy, we don't want to bump up against that. Right. Of course. Of course. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> um, here's a good question. What is the source of the original stem cells? Um, meaning, must they come from the owner's own body, or are there donor cells, donor eye cells that are available? There are um, many eye banks in the U.S. where eyes are donated for cornea transplant. 100,000 cornea transplants per year occur in, the, in America. And we work with those eye banks in order to obtain the original tissue that stem cells uh, that contain stem cells that then expand. So one donor eye generates hundreds or thousands of doses for a patient. So our wow. adult stem cell is derived from, from uh, generous uh, donors to the eye bank. Yes, and just wow. to mention, thank we we're so grateful that people have that generosity and donate for for cornea and you know, for the possibility for us to use those cells as well. It's it's wonderful. Absolutely, and I think we have information at Bright Focus about eye banks. Um, if anyone does have that specific question, please leave it after the call, and and we'll figure out um, information to send to you if that's of interest. Um, so, Jeff, I think this is probably for you, um, and it's kind of more about the approval process in general. Um, one of our listeners, Linda, is wondering about why some treatments are already available in other countries but not yet in the U.S. The U.S. leads, the, the U.S. FDA leads in terms of the care shown for developing a new therapy. 
and and many other countries follow closely. And the, the European uh, group is following very closely the U.S., Japan, other countries. They all have regulatory bodies, but they're less uh, rigorous um, in some countries. And uh, you know, there's always been medical tourism. To I remember, well, you know, 50 years ago, there people go to Tijuana to have laetal treatment, cure all cancers, and and that will continue. So there are um, there are countries that are allowing unproven therapies. To be delivered to patients, and and, and the FDA, the FDA, it's a double-edged sword because on the one hand, you know, I understand the need we we need now to bring any effective treatment to patients right away with no delay. But the other hand, the other side of the sword, if you will, is we need to do so safely, and the FDA um, is is very strong at assuring uh, safety of patients. Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, maybe this kind of loops back to the first question I asked Sally. Um, anyone who's thinking about traveling to do something like that would certainly want to consult with their doctor um, and research, you know, if these are also scammers or if they're somehow, you know, um, proven to be productive in some other way. Mm -hmm. um, so in the spirit of ping-ponging, does this treatment reverse vision loss or preserve remaining vision? Great question. And, uh, I think it's very important, at least the way our study is structured, that there's some improvement. Um, you know, as I said at the outset, the cells are lost. The RP cells are lost, and the photoreceptors no longer function. That's what blocks vision. So the hope that we have, and it's, you know, it's what we're testing, is that introducing new RP cells will then provide new support to the photoreceptors to improve vision. Okay, <clears throat> I think we have time for one last question, and um, hopefully you have the answer. I know you're working in dry AMD, but we have people wondering if there are any other similar trials for wet AMD. Well, I'm going to answer that in, 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 in an interesting way, which is to say that you know I, I treat wet AMD all day, and we have some very good treatments out there, um, but they don't last forever. And, and I think the efficacy wears off. So the antibody injections into the eye to treat wet AMD may cause uh, dry AMD to continue. And, and so after several years of wet AMD treatment, there's a lack of RPE cells. And, and, and the transplant of RPE, such as we're doing and others are doing, um, can can address the loss of RP that occurs in wet AMD. Right, so it's really almost more about progression. Um, and at any moment, you know, someone that has dry AMD could convert to wet. And, you know, it's really a continuum that's a, a little bit difficult for a lot of people to understand, I think. I think the way to understand it, I agree with you, I think it's an important point to make. W once the dry switches to wet, the dry does not go away. I think that's where the misunderstanding arises. The dry continues to progress along with wet. So um, that's why, you know, after some years, the dry uh, limits the vision, even though the wet is fully treated, that's when the transplant of RP cells 
would be useful in wet AMD. Thank you so much for saying that and clarifying that. It is a question we get really, really frequently, and I think people, because there's a treatment for wet AMD and they're getting injections, they, they stop kind of thinking about the dry AMD or maybe they think it's gone because they're treating mm -hmm. their wet. Um, so I think that was a really, really important point, and I'm glad you brought that in. Um, we are out of time for questions, uh, but before we close, I want to quickly take this opportunity to mention that Drs. Temple and Stern recommend the Patient Handbook on Stem Cell Therapy from the International Society for Stem Cell Research as a good resource. Um, in addition, Bright Focus also has two expert articles about stem cells and stem cell therapies that cover some of the topics we discussed today. You can always reach Bright Focus anytime at www.brightfocus.org. We also have a toll-free phone number, 1-800-437-2423, and we have people staffing that line during East Coast business hours. Uh, a couple of notes before we conclude. Uh, next month, on November 30th, we will discuss an update on an investigational medical device for advanced macular degeneration with Dr. Maria Richmond. Um, another little quick note, we will be holding our second Bright Focus chat about glaucoma treatments for open-angle glaucoma on November 9th. Please also leave a message if you would like to receive information on how to register for this event. To close out today, Sally, Jeff, this discussion has answered so many questions we've received about stem cell therapy, and I already know that we're going to get so many more. Um, I want to say thank you so much for being here. And before we officially conclude, are there final thoughts or remarks you'd like to share today? Thank you so much for organizing and hosting and inviting us to, to share uh, information about AMD. Yes, thank you, and to all, all the people that called in and, and for great questions along the way. Many thanks. Thank you. We are absolutely delighted to have you. And again, we'd love to have you back, you know, in the future. Um, so on behalf of Bright Focus Foundation and the audience, we appreciate very much you educating us today about stem cell therapy. And this concludes today's Bright Focus chat, and we'll return on November 30th. Thank you so much. The information provided in this recording is a public service of Bright Focus Foundation and is not intended to constitute medical advice. Please consult your physician for personalized medical, dietary, and or exercise advice. Any medications or supplements should only be taken under medical supervision. Bright Focus Foundation does not endorse any medical products or therapies.